All right, everyone, welcome back to the Second Shot All-American Golf Podcast. I am your host, Tom, as always here with my co-host, Phil. Phil, how are you doing today? I'm good, Tom. How are you doing? It's been a while since we've had an interview. Hey, we're doing all right. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to address that. I mean, it. You know, we're trying to, we're, we're doing our best to, uh, this is going to be our first episode probably in about five weeks or so since like, I think it was like March 31st was the episode with Gary, but um Trying to match up our schedules. Phil, Phil coaches high school baseball, and uh, you know, on top of that, trying to match it up with my schedule, and and obviously the person we're interviewing for the for the episode. That uh, we're working on it. We're hoping to have some more episodes coming up here in the next few months. Hopefully, two to three more in the next couple months here. And um, yeah, we're excited for it. So uh, we're gonna kick it right into a new segment that we're gonna have. Um, I don't know if we're gonna call it anything, but uh, we're gonna shout out some winners. Um, Basically, you know, for that, it could be someone who wins a tournament, even might be a hole-in-one, double eagle, whatever it may be. Um, Phil, why don't you just kick us off here? I think the first winner I would like to point out is going to be the 2021 Wright State Invitational Team Champions, my favorite, the Wright State Raiders at the beautiful Heatherwood Golf Club. And, Tommy, that's one you got to come up and play with me sometime. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Go Raiders. That's uh it's exciting stuff. I know they did well this year. Um yeah, it's exciting to have some good college golf in the area. Absolutely. That rough was thick for that invitation. Yeah, you played there the week the, right a couple days before it started. Anybody who's played golf with me knows I spent a lot of time in the rough and uh the rough was rough. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have a second shout out actually. A uh Clinton Massey High School a graduate Gabby Woods is the 2021 GMAC women's golf championship medalist. She ended up shooting 71, 76 and 77 to take the individual medalist title and is in fact the first freshman to do so in eight years. So congratulations to Gabby. That's awesome. For Finley University or the University of Finley. I forgot to point that out as well. The Oilers. Is that right? The they are the Oilers who are now going to the national championship. So, very successful season for the Lady Oilers. Successful basketball program, I believe, as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, not very shabby, not too shabby. And as you can tell, these are going to be local, more of a, a local tie, obviously. Um, and I do want to say, if anyone has someone, a friend, a family member, uh, maybe a, a member of their course, whatever that they want to shout out, definitely send us a message to one of our socials um, or our email address, secondshotallamericanpod at gmail.com. We'd be happy to potentially shout them out on a future episode. Don't be, don't be afraid to send those to us. Uh, Phil, I'm going to start out with the Kenton County Spring Junior Tournament run by the GCGA on the 1905 Junior Tour. 
I'm going to run through um, just the winners for this past tournament. They had the girls 10 to 12 division, Sophia Fink. Girls 13 to 18, Eva Mali. Mali. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, Eva or Ava. I really apologize. <laughs> Touch up both names there, Tom. I'm trying to get it right. I, I'm trying to get it right. The boys 10 to 12, Austin Nicholas. Boys 13 to 15, Eddie Hartung. And boys 16 to 18, Timmy Hollenbeck. Um, congrats, guys, on your victory. Best of luck with the rest of the GCGA season. On to my next winner, Andrew Stevens. I believe he's the director of instruction at the Stevens Golf Center, Stevens Golf Academy in Burlington. I think it's Burlington they're at. Shot 10 under 62 at the U.S. Open local qualifier, I believe, at Cherry Blossom, which is, I believe, close to, I think it's in Georgetown, Kentucky, uh, with a bogey on the last hole. That is impressive. <laughs> I've never even sniffed 10 under. I, <laughs> I think my best is 7 under, but uh, I that that's very impressive for the, the, the level and the stage that he had to do that on. Absolutely. And then my final winner, shout out, uh, Daniel Wetterick at the Huntsville Open in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, Huntsville Country Club. I believe it's the G Pro Tour. I believe that's one of the mini tours. 19 under, his first professional victory. I believe Daniel was a Met champion a few years back. I played with his brother, David. You played with him as well. He played at Wittenberg when we were at the Mount. Just a great golf family, very nice family, and uh, congrats to Daniel. Absolutely. You and I both collectively took some butt whippings from them over the years, but <laughs> yeah. absolutely congrats to you. All right. With that, uh, we're going to kick it to our guest this week. He is Mr. Clay Hood. He is the CEO and co-founder of Precision Pro Golf Rangefinders. All right, everyone, please welcome our next guest. He is the CEO and co-founder of Precision Pro Golf, based here in Cincinnati, Ohio, Mr. Clay Hood. Clay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be to chat with you guys. If you could just, for any of our listeners who may not be familiar with Precision Pro, could you maybe just give us a brief overview first of the company and you know what you guys do? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We're a you know golf technology company. Um, our main product lineup right now are golf range finders. Um, we've been making those for, with, I guess this is our seventh year now. So, um, yeah, we've got a variety of golf range finders. And, uh, yeah, we're moving into some er different kind of areas in the golf uh, technology space coming up here soon. So, um, yeah, we're, we help people, um, you know, kind of with information on the course and um, hopefully make good decisions. I guess if you could give us, you know, because you always weren't, the you know CEO of Precision Pro wasn't you know what you did at first. Could you give us a little brief background of your golf journey and kind of what led you to Precision Pro? Uh, sure, yeah, it's my my background is uh, is golf heavy. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of other things. I actually was talking to our guys a couple of days ago and basically saying like, well, the only jobs I've ever had have been at golf courses and here. So that's my, uh, I don't have much experience with other things. So, um, basically, you know, I started playing golf when I was, uh, you know, 10 or so and just really took to it. Um, and, you know, played in high school, just loved it. Started working at a golf course when I was, um, 
what, 14 years old washing golf carts and uh, played in high school, was, got to be pretty good, played in college for a couple of years. And um, from um, there, I actually uh, wound up being a, a PGA pro and I spent about 10 years working at uh, country clubs. I worked at a couple of places down at Lexington and then wound up over Virginia. And um, after about 10 years of uh, the golf pro life, I moved out to California and um, out of chance because I didn't get a job right away, started the company with the, my, who's my co-founder now. We met kind of randomly there and uh, yeah, it's a interesting uh, journey. And that was, geez, that was seven, eight years ago when we started that. And we've grown from just the two of us to 20, 22 of us now, I guess. And um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's been an interesting, uh, interesting ride, but it's been pretty much all driven by golf um, since I was about, you know, 10, 11 years old, I guess. And I, I actually was, when I was doing research for the podcast, I heard um, you on the Eric Anders Lane podcast said you and your partner Jonah met at a bar. Is is that correct? Can you kind of tell us that story? Uh, we did. Yeah, we, we met, you know, it's interesting. And, and we lived in Santa Monica, which is kind of in Los Angeles, kind of over by the beach. Uh, great, great place, great area. And um, out there, it seems like most people aren't from there. So no one really knows anyone. Um, so yeah, I, I had a place, you know, not too long after I moved there, a place I'd go get a drink and uh, get a get a bite. And um, him and his, uh, who was his, his girlfriend at the time came in and we started chatting and uh, he was a golfer. And yeah, we um, wound up playing golf a few times and, and went from there. So it was a total chance encounter that uh, that worked out well. So you've traveled all these places and you, you have had nothing but golf in your career. How do you end up in Cincinnati, Ohio with Precision Pro in your company? Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, I, so I guess, you know, one of my stops in life was right after college. I, I was in Lexington, uh, Kentucky, and I, I guess I was probably 23, 20, actually probably, no, I was like 21. I was right out of school, 22. And, um, didn't know anyone there, met some friends who were kind of finishing up at UK. And those became some of my, my good friends who are still my good friends now. And they, most of them were from the Cincinnati area. So, you know, in my, I, I would often come here to visit and hang out after, after I left Lexington. And um, yeah, back in 2015, uh, Jonah, my partner, he had a, you know, they had a new baby and his wife was from Philly. So they moved back there to be closer to family. And um, so I, you know, was kind of deciding on where to go. And, and Cincinnati was a somewhat obvious choice for me because I just had most of the, my friends were here, but I also, I grew up in Kentucky, although it's, you know, Southern Kentucky, so it's not too far from home. Um, yeah. So it was, uh, you know, it worked out well. And with that, Cincinnati is a great place to um, have a business, a small business. There's a really good community around um, kind of startups and business here. And it's also, it's not, you know, it's, uh, it's centrally located and it's not super expensive. It's, um, it's not hard to find good people here who want to work for you and you can, um, you know, it's much easier than it is in California. You said you were in Lexington. What golf courses were you at in Lexington? I know Phil and I actually, we played, uh, college golf. We played a lot down there at, uh, University Club of Kentucky. We, Transylvania hosts their tournament there every year. What, what golf courses were you at down there? That was the first course I had with my first job was at the university club in, in 2000, 2003, I think 2003, I spent a couple, a couple years there. And then I spent like three years at the champions trace with where they have the tour event now. Nice. Okay. 
So yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, very familiar with the university club, uh, hit it in the water many times on, on those <laughs> holes. So I know it well. <laughs> Phil, did, Phil did pretty well around there. Phil almost won the tournament there. Well, I tell you what, as much as I love big blue, that's how much I despise wildcat. <laughs> it's hard. There's, uh, there's, there's tons of tall grass everywhere. I've still, I've, I've got probably a couple dozen balls that I need to, to relocate that are still out there. <laughs> i'm not as intimidated by water as i am tall grass i don't know what it is it, it, it's just like it, it it flusters me i don't know what it is yeah it's it's everywhere out there so so clay if you could go into obviously you guys do you know range finders you guys basically mainly late laser range finders is that correct that is correct right now. Yeah, we um, we 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 did work with a kind of a little golf watch several years ago, and it didn't quite go the way we wanted. So we really, yeah, we focused on laser range finders, and that's been you know it's been huge for us over the past five plus years. Okay, is there any way you could? I mean, can you can try to describe the technology behind how the range finder works? I think it's pretty pretty amazing. You just point a thing, you know, point it at the target, and it gives you a, a yardage in a matter of a second or two. Can you describe how that works and maybe even how it figures out slope as well? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it is, it's interesting. It's, it's the same kind of thing, you know, so, so lasers, lasers are lasers. So I'd go in a couple ways, you know, if you, if you've ever seen like a little, uh, electric tape measure, you'd see at the uh, home Depot that measures how far it is to the wall in your room. It's the same type of thing as that. So essentially what a, what a range is doing is, is just shooting out, a bunch of laser laser beams, if you will, um, and those travel and they hit something and they bounce back. Uh, how and then how long that takes to for that to happen is how it measures how far something is. So it basically measures the time that it takes for that laser to come back to it. Um, so that little tape measure thing does it on a much lower level. A rangefinder, like our rangefinders, will shoot up to you know 800 yards or so. Um, does it on a little bit higher level. And uh, then kind of up at even a higher level, like a track man you guys would be familiar with is doing similar things, which is basically shooting out these uh, these kind of you know laser radars things. And it's basically hitting the ball. And um, but that's at a much higher level, too, just because of the um, how how you know detailed it is. So it, it's it sounds cool, but it's pretty simple. It just, you know, shoots out a laser. It hits something, comes back and hey, that took a half second. So that's 400 yards. And is it the slope because of the angle that it's pointing the laser? Is that? fair to say slope is, is is angle yes it's basically it's a it's a pretty um i won't say simple measurement but it's uh, if you're if you're into, into math it's uh, it's not super hard it's just sure. a triangle so it's it's the angle at what uh uphill or downhill you are so it um interesting things with slope like we've had you know after doing this for many years we've had all the questions you could ever imagine things like uh you know doesn't wouldn't the angle be thrown off because you're shooting the flag and not the ground and uh that is true, but it also it could be thrown. It's not thrown off because of the fact that you're not you're not standing on the you're the rangefinder's not on the ground, so you're essentially about as tall as the flag is. So I guess if you had someone who was nine feet tall shooting the uh, the ground, it could be a little bit different. But it's um yeah, so it, it's it's pretty uh, it's fun technology, but it's not you know super high tech. Um, just the, the basic kind of part of it. Say, so there's so much technology in golf being used now. It's almost completely different than uh, just a couple of decades ago. What what spoke to you, or what stood out about you wanting to start a business with rangefinders? Out of everything going on in golf, you pick rangefinders. What what stood out to you? 
sure. Yeah, at the time when we did this, um, rangefinders were were not very prominent, and you know, I I had one. We we knew that they were you know they were super useful, um, but there were only a couple of companies doing it, and they were very expensive. And even back then, the technology wasn't great yet. Like just the idea of like picking up the flag was not. Um, was not always you know spot on it was actually more times than not so a lot of people who tried it early had bad experiences so um yeah we we just saw it as a thing that like this is really a good you know these are good products um you know they're they're a lot of people don't have them because you know they're not able to get them could we do something where we could bring one to the market at, at a lower price and that was the impetus of us uh, starting it was just kind of that opportunity that we saw and and since then we've evolved into you know, much more than that, but that's, you know, what got us excited. And I, you know, it still gets me excited to just to see people using them and, um, you know, having better experiences on the golf course, uh, learning their distances. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's fun. Well, it's also amazing considering when you started this business, the rangefinders were the size of small camcorders and now you've got them into handheld devices. Yeah. They, yeah, that was, uh, they were, and they were, they were big. Uh, you had like some ones you kind of held with two hands. Um, you know, the range finding the, for the golf side really came off the hunting side and, you know, you know, Bushnell has been the big company on both for many years and, and they kind of got it started with golf and, um, just came from the hunting side where you see, where you see different use cases. So you see different products. Um, you often see, you want to, you want to see like, much more range, but less, uh, kind of finite accuracy on certain small things. So it's, um, it was an interesting kind of evolution, but, um, I'm glad we were able to kind of, you know, get in there at an early time and, uh, and take advantage and then, you know, build new and exciting stuff nowadays. You know, if someone's looking for a range finder and they're like unsure about it, why, what would you, what are the reasoning that you would tell someone that they need to own a range finder? There's a lot of people that they could just say, you know, I could just walk off the yardage from the sprinkler head. I can get the yardage from there. Why would you tell someone that a range finder is, is beneficial to their game? I mean, I think there's several reasons. I think the biggest thing is just general accuracy. So even if you're, you know, even if you think you, you know, you, you're not super consistent or don't hit your clubs within, you know, five to 10 yards of where you think you do, like there aren't a lot of golf courses that are super well marked. Um, and when they, you know, and when you, even when you get one, you're going to see, you're seeing distances to the middle of the green. So, you know, here in town, I give a couple examples of courses like a, you know, a stone lake hills with, with large greens that are sometimes oddly shaped. Like you don't know really where, you know, middle of the green could be, you know, is whoever decided what that was. So you get a, a funky shaped green, um, middle of the green could be something different. The front could be something different. So it just makes it super accurate so um i would i think that's the biggest reason why i tell people um and you know after that you, you need to learn you know you need to learn how far you hit your clubs there it'd be be amazing how many people are even like you know pretty good golfers who don't have a great idea how far their clubs go and if you don't know how far you are and you don't know how far you're like seeing it go it's going to be tough to really know that you're just going to be you know kind of choosing and guessing a lot um and then my third biggest reason is just pace of play, to be honest. Like, you know, again, courses aren't marked great. And when they are, you find a sprinkler head, you're walking around, um, you know, anywhere you are on the course, you basically you pull out your range finder, shoot the flag or shoot something in, um, and you got the distance. It's, um, it's a, you know, 10 second thing. Um, whereas, 
unless you just want to guess, you'd have to go find a 150 marker or sprinkler head. So I think it's super beneficial. It's um, there's not a lot of downside in my mind to, um, to, you know, to why someone would use it. Uh, what has made uh, precision pro such a success in your opinion? Um, you know, it's, it's a great question. I think, you know, one of the, the key things that was early on was, was timing. Um, you know, we got into the market pretty, pretty early. Um, it would be much harder to do what we have done nowadays, um, that starting now, but you know, when we first started, we basically, we focused on one of the key things we wanted to focus on was customer service. Um, you know, could we, you know, how could we take care of people and make them feel like they had a good experience when they bought our product? Um, you know, we did, we knew at the time when we first started, we didn't have a product that was better. It was, you know, wasn't as good. It was just lower price. So could we, could we provide a really good customer experience? And, and we still focus on that till today. Um, past that, you know, that's not quite as easy as that. I think we've done a really good job over the past four or five years of really building the brand image and, you know, along with creating really good products. So I, I think the biggest thing for us is that our products aren't, cheap anymore there there you know there are many products that are cheaper but our products are really good and when you look at our website you look at our packaging you get the thing in the mail like everything feels good it looks good and you know that you you made a good choice you know you can go buy something much cheaper on amazon um, but you don't know where it came from you don't know if it's going to work you don't know what you're getting um so i think that's kind of the biggest reason we've been successful is just creating that kind of that um you know, that kind of perception of really good value while having a really good product and focusing on the customer experience. You know, one thing we started doing about four years ago that no one else does is, you know, we offer free batteries. If you buy one of our range finders, um, you know, the battery runs out. You just put a type your address into a form on our website. And we mail you a new battery for free. So that's, you know, no one does that. We do that. So um, I think it's just been a real commitment to, um, you know, to the customers and the product and uh, having everything, you know, look like it were a, you know, a professional company. Now, when you guys saw the news about the PGA championships, allowing rangefinders, first of all, I guess, how excited were you guys about that news? It's exciting. It's exciting. I think, think it, you know, it's, it's good for, it's good for the industry in general. It's good for, you know, it, it could, should be good for us to, you know, to see golfers using these products. I mean, the thing that the average golfer probably, you know, wouldn't know is that, you know, tour pros are using these in practice rounds and when they play on their own, like this is not a, a huge secret. Um, I think the thing that's exciting for me though, is just to see that, you know, we've seen this over the past couple of years with the USGA to some extent is that golf is just starting to kind of modernize itself and come into, um, into a new kind of light. You know, we're changing some rules that didn't make sense. We're seeing more technology. We're starting to kind of see more adoption on this technology. Like, I don't be honest, see any like downside to, to using these products. Now it may not, you know, for the, for the guys on tour, it may not speed up play. They're still going to, you know, caddies are still be working and doing their thing, but I don't see any like huge downside to it. I think it just makes it more visible for the average golfer and lets the, you know, the game kind of move into a, a new place where we don't have to like be scared of these things. We can, we can start to uh, modernize and, um, and, and take advantage of the of the fun stuff that's out there. And do you guys expect it to have a like large impact on your business at all, or is it just kind of unknown at this point? Uh, I don't expect like a huge imp impact necessarily. Um, so, 
but with that said, I, I just, we really don't know. Um, we know that the, you know, some smaller tours have, have tried this before and that wouldn't have, wouldn't have had an impact. I think if, if this was like a, a thing that happened like full time and, and, you know, we saw each week guys using these, um, I think that would, would have an impact. I'm not sure one week, um, out of a year is going to make a thing. I think it just helps bring some awareness to, um, to the products in general. So we, we've noticed that you're kind of broadening your company a little bit with the Precision Pro app, and one of our buddies has been using this app, and he's, he's starting to show some improvement. Can you tell us a little bit about what the app provides and kind of the evolution of your website? Sure. Yeah, we're, we're you know, our, our, we don't really see ourselves as a, as a rangefinder company. We see ourselves as a company that, you know, basically helps people, helps golfers um, do, you know, basically see information better on and off the course. Um, so the app was a thing that's been kind of coming for a couple of years now. And, you know, our idea here is that, you know, with why the rangefinder is great, it's um, giving you distances, you know, straight line distances to kind of the flag or other spots on the course. The app gives you just kind of a second dimension where you can you can see different things on the course. Um, you can see distances to certain spots. Um, you can see some wind stuff. You can see uh, just some different kind of fun things there. You know, put your clubs in. Um, I think one of the bigger things on the app is also being able to keep your score, keep your uh, stats, um, so that you know we, we kind of believe a lot in measuring progress and, and how you're improving. So. Um, it's just kind of the next evolution of, uh, of, you know, our company and where we're going. Um, and then with the app as well, we've got a couple of, uh, new products that actually will be connected to the app that are, that will be coming out soon. And, uh, so that's a piece of the app as well. So, you know, we're, we're, it's kind of that transition from, from just doing range finders for us to becoming, um, you know, more of a all encompassing tech company for golfers and, and being able to provide them with different, um, you know, different products, but also just different kind of ways to improve. Yeah, he was using it. He he thought he was missing all of his drives to the right, and basically the uh, the app let him know that he was basically missing like seventy percent to like to left. He thought he basically was overcompensating the whole time, and it, it actually helped his drive because he realized that he was just missing them all left. <laughs> it is interesting to see when you uh, you don't think that that's actually like I mean it's it's we play golf with a lot of golfers and try to get feedback on products and things and it's interesting to see the number of golfers who, who write down like their simple stats, like a, you know, greens, fairways and putts on a scorecard, but then they just throw it away and they don't do anything with it at the end. I'm always curious, like, what do you, uh, you know, why are you writing that down? If you don't, you know, keep it anywhere so you can kind of see trends and like, you know, in our app, you can, you can break it down by certain kind of specific dates. So you could see for like, you know, this year I'm doing better than I actually have done in my past three years combined. So yeah, it's, um, just being able to like, give a little confirmation to what you think you know is, is always a good thing. Tom, I think Clay's in support of coaches' stack cards that we had to fill out in college after every <laughs> round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, you know, now you don't have to do it on paper, though. You can uh, that's just right. put it in your phone. That's right. We'll tell them to start using the Precision <laughs> Pro app. Absolutely. Clay, I see you're, at least based on the website, you're a one handicap. Do you still play competitively at all? Uh, I don't play competitively other than like, um, you know, playing the, the club event here and there. It's been, geez, I'm probably, uh, I think my handicap's like two now. So it's been, 
the last couple of years have been tough. It's been busy. We've been growing a lot. We've added a lot of new people. I think we've added like seven, eight new people on our team in the past, you know, six months. Um, so it's golf and also have a three-year-old. So that's a, that's a, a thing as well. So yeah, getting out's been not as much as I would like. So I think I'm going in the wrong direction on, on the handicap. So I don't, I don't, uh, you know, maybe someday I'll be able to play more than nine holes every two weeks. I tell you, if I was as busy as you and I'm still a two handicap, I'll be one very happy man. And I'm sure that would help my home life as well. But what are some of your favorite courses in the area? Uh, favorite courses, you know, I like, um, it's actually, there's a lot of good courses here and I haven't played, uh, tons of them. I really like, um, Stone Lake Hills is very nice. Um, you know, cold stream country club is very nice. It's about to reopen. They did a full renovation. That's where I, uh, where I play. Um, it's going to reopen on, uh, May end of May. So it's, it looks fantastic. Um, you know, Stone Lake's awesome, uh, public course. Um, I'm trying to think what else we, what is, is around here that, uh, you know, I played, uh, when I was, what 17 years old i played in the kentucky open at lasting point and that was like coming from southern kentucky playing just a crappy course that was like the coolest golf course i think i'd ever seen in my life um coming like when i was 17 years old i know it's probably not not as uh quite as good now as it was uh that would have been what 1999 is back then but that was like it's i still like just really like that course because it just gives me memories of like this is like awesome looking um what else is uh good around in the area i um you know we play i played blue ash a couple times is a nice uh is a fun course fun public course but uh i gotta i gotta get out more i gotta hit i gotta get some you know do a little bit more on some of the courses here in town say tom and i are actually playing blue ash with a couple of buddies coming up next week so we're looking forward to that nice i think that was actually the last nine i played we played did nine at uh at Blue Ash, we were out testing some products, and um, it's uh, it's a good good golf course for you know city course. So, oh, absolutely. And what what is it about Cincy Golf that kind of just strikes you as being kind of trendy, kind of cool? Um, I think you know Cincinnati is great. You know, having lived in in Los Angeles, where it's like you have to drive. You know, it's of course a couple of courses are only a couple miles away, but it's like an hour drive. And then it's a six hour round is that there's just so much good golf here. That's like close by. Um, I think I didn't, you don't realize it, but I've talked to several people who like the, the public kind of, you know, the, the city and County um, courses here system is, is really good. So I think that's um, really fun. I also think Cincinnati just in general is great. Cause you've got like, you've got, you can be downtown um, at a major city, but then in 10 minutes you can be at a golf course out, you know, outside of town. And um I think there's just a lot of good options on, on the public side. Um, seems like there's a lot of good, like kind of, you know, league and, and kind of tour options as well. And, um, you know, the, you know, personally, the, just the people here are fantastic. Just good, uh, good people. It's easy to get a game. And um, I, I think it's uh, just a, a fun place. Absolutely. So we're, Phil and I are both big no lane up guys. We, uh, we heard you on the Trap Draw podcast with Neil back in uh, early 2020, right after the virus had started. You had talked about the business and the virus. And, you know, how through 2020 and basically, I guess, through now, obviously, it's still going on. How did that affect your business? I mean, did you guys find that maybe I know when you talked to him, I think you said 50 50 in terms of retail and e commerce. Did that kind of shift more towards the e commerce? And, and how did COVID kind of affect the business? 
Uh, yeah, it's it's a great question. Go, you know, golf has been one of the things that's been positively affected by COVID. Is, is you know, a lot of people know you know by now. It's kind of you know popped up in the news a lot. So it's been good for us when when it first started. Um, I guess March of last year. March was probably one of the worst months we've we've ever really had. You know, at a at a relative space, we were kind of freaked out about what was going to happen. And then you know, it, about three weeks, everyone kind of realized that kind of like this, you know, we can, you know, we can do this thing. And then, uh, you know, April was okay. But once we got into May, like golf was, was good. Cause there just wasn't much else to do. You could get out and play. Um, and it was, it was good for our business. You know, our, it, we, we went through a period of probably three to four months when nothing was open where we, there was no retail business. So that was hard. Um, we're pretty strong online. We do a good portion of our businesses online. Um, so that was was always there, and we've kind of seen that progress. So um, 2020 was, you know, was our best year ever, and 2021 is going to be that much better. I'm, I'm excited about where just golf is going. I'm curious to see, like, if the if the increase just in in interest continues when this is over, or if it kind of kind of flattens back a little bit. I I, I think that it'll continue. It seems like it just pulled in a lot more people who um, who may have like taken some time off from golf, but um, yeah, it's it's been really good for golf in general. It's been good for us. I was talking to um, I was over in Virginia last weekend. I was talking to uh, kind of the, the pro shop buyer at a club I used to work at. He was basically saying that you know Callaway is um, Callaway is a touch behind on clubs and balls. TaylorMade's a little bit more behind. You know, Ping and Mizuno are even more behind. So like even the club companies, everyone is struggling to keep up with with demand. Like even the bigger club companies who um, who have more resources. So um, I don't think. Uh, I don't think anyone is is um, you know fully stocked on stuff, but that's that's good. That's good for good for us. Good for the industry. It's you know hopefully good for all the people who picked golf back up or picked it up for the first time, and they can continue to do it. So that I think it'd be safe to say that that's a positive of the future that you see, and also a challenge at the same time. Uh, what? What are some of the goals that you have for your company coming up in the next couple of years and to the next decade? And uh, looking into the future, you know, what type of steps are you going to anticipate with the company? Yeah, I mean, our goal is to keep growing, is uh, just to keep, you know, making really good products. We've got new things we're coming out with, um, you know, in the next probably month or so. Um and then we've got new products we'll be coming out within 2022 as well that we're already you know working on. Um, so yeah, we've added a lot of um, you know people to the team. So our goal, you know, we want to grow. Uh, we're having fun doing it, um, and we think our biggest, um, you know, the biggest way we can do that is by just making really good products and providing a really good customer experience. So those are kind of our two things we we hark on, and we think if we do that, that people will buy them. They'll, you know, retail shops will want to sell them and people will find them online. So um, I don't say that we have any like, uh, you know, plans to do anything crazy. I think if you looked five years from now, like our company would probably be pretty similar. Um, we'd be selling, uh, you know, range finders would probably still have some software stuff. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe a, a new thing here or there, but um, you know, we think there's plenty of opportunity where we're headed and uh, yeah, we're excited about it. So Clay, I have a, kind of a strange question if it's a dumb question i do apologize but um the rangefinders they use those like basically like those cr2 lithium like photo batteries is that correct is that the batteries is that i think that's the correct one is that right 
It is. Yeah, it's a CR CR three. Okay. Yeah, it's like a little. Yeah. Okay. Is especially with like the growing, um, like golf carts with like USB ports, things like that. Is it maybe a? I don't know if it's the technology or whatever it is. Is it? Is there a reason why there isn't maybe a rangefinder or maybe a product you guys maybe don't have that? can kind of just be used or charged like a phone. Basically, like if you charge it, you got three full rounds of using it or, or whatever it may be. Is is that a technology thing that is maybe preventing that? Um, no, it's not a it's not a technology thing. And, and that's actually, you know, it's a really good point. And we, in a new product we have coming out in about a month, um, you know, we'll be able to kind of show you guys here soon. We'll, we'll actually have a rechargeable battery um, because of some of the technology that it has and, and holds. Um, I, th- I think one thing with that you see is that uh, you know those CR2 batteries, a rangefinder, uh, a basic rangefinder like you'd see most people have, is pretty low power, so that 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 little battery lasts for about a year if you use it at regular, sometimes more if you use it at a at a decent clip. So the I think the biggest thing is basically just you, you don't have to you don't have to like charge it. You can just kind of throw it in your bag. Now the the thing we're kind of we're headed with that is that you know because of that CR2 battery, you're limited on technology. You can only you, know, you can't add a lot to it. Um, unless you, you go to something more rechargeable. So that's where we're headed with a new product. And uh, we'll see that here in about a, about three weeks. And um, yeah, but I also think too, it'll, it'll be good that you're not, um, you know, you're not just throwing away, throwing batteries into the trash, you know, every, every six months or six or eight months. And uh, Clay, a question we ask all of our guests, I know you're not originally from Cincinnati, but uh, what is your skyline order? My skyline order would be I would probably go for a couple cheese conies and a, and a fry. I don't mind a, I don't mind a three way. I don't I don't love it, but I, I could eat it. And I do like a chili cheese fry. But if I had every time I have a chili cheese fry, I feel like I'm gonna need to die. Like it's my <laughs> my insides just feel feel terrible afterwards. So I will say one of our one of our guys. We have our our shipping manager. His name's Jesse. He uh, he ate. Last year, he grew up in Cincinnati. He ate something like six hundred counties. He ate them like every day. He count, he can, he counted them. I think he had like a Mountain Dew and three counties like every day. It was fantastic. So, um, I I'm good for like once a month. Um, but uh, yeah, if I have too much, I, I I need to like take it down. You get mustard and onion on the counties, or is it one of one of each, or just or one of a. I, I would like if I could just do mustard, but unfortunately, if when I try to say that, I don't say it well, and I either I, either they always like it doesn't come out right. So I just I just say neither, because I I do like mustard. I hate onions, but some I can't say it right for whatever reason. So the, it it doesn't go. So I just you know make it plain. We can we can work with you on your yeah, you order. Get some confidence. You got to adapt to that. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I do. You know now I do enjoy it. The, the the little baklava they have on the counter is is good. So. Um, yeah, it is good. It's just, uh, it's a little hard on the inside sometimes. <laughs> Join the club on that one. <laughs> Phil, any other questions for Clay? No, I greatly enjoyed having you on Clay. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us, uh, just some really awesome information that we can share with the people. Great. I appreciate uh, coming on and, uh, this is, this has been fun and, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And, and if everyone wants to uh, see or learn anything more about Precision Pro, head to precisionprogolf.com. And uh, Clay, is that the best way you would say for someone to, to buy the product as well? Or is Amazon better? Or, or what's, what's the best way to, for people to buy the product? 
Uh, I would say the best way is probably just whatever's more convenient for you. Um, you know, we, we like if you buy it off the website, but you know, we, we, we sell quite a few on, on multiple places. If you, uh, you know, we have, you know, our, our, one of our good friends is, uh, owns a golf exchange here in town. If you want to go in a store and go to the golf exchange and buy one, we'd love to have you do that as well. So. Perfect. Perfect. Well, uh, well, thanks again and, uh, best of luck and continued success in the future. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good night. All right. You too. Thanks, Clay. Hey everyone, Tom here. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Second Shot All-American Golf Podcast. Please don't forget to like our Facebook page as well as follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SSAA Golf Pod. If you have any questions or feedback, please reach us at secondshotallamericanpod at gmail.com. And if you could, just please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll see you for the next episode. Thanks, guys.